Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. In today's episode, I'm interviewing John Ball. John is a public speaker who also teaches presentation and public speaking skills and the tools of influence and persuasion. Welcome, John. Thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited to speak with you, Christina. Oh, you too. And especially, I love this topic. So uh, before we jump into it, though, can you share a little bit about your background with the listeners? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I won't go too far back because there, there's a lot. But uh, uh, my, my background is moving from someone who, who worked in hospitality for many years into uh, moving into coaching, personal development and public speaking. And on that journey, I realized I wanted to become a speaker and a trainer, that that's been my, my passion for over 15 years now. And on that journey, I discovered that there was all these elements of influence and persuasion that most of us don't even realize are going on that are actually very important, especially if you are speaking to influence people, if you're speaking to sell products or services or to represent your business or your brand in any way, then you need to really know what these things are if you want to, if you want to get to the top of that kind of game. I love it. Now, one of the things that you talk about is the dark side of influence and persuasion. It's so, pretty juicy, right? <laughs> I know, isn't it? It's very sexy. So let's dive into it. What do we need to know about this? Well, the the whole thing is that when, when I first started to discover that there were all these hidden tools uh, and often referred to as weapons of influence and persuasion, that many of them can be and often are used for less than beneficial purposes. So very often we can actually be persuaded to make decisions or to go along with things that are against our own personal benefit, that are against our own best interests, because we get conditioned or persuaded a particular way. And very often, once we get conv convicted of a, of a belief, then we will stick with it at, uh, at all costs until something just challenges it too far, until cognitive dissonance may actually take us the other way. Um, but for the most part, um, this is how people end up getting involved in um, religious cults, political cults, uh, you know, any, any kind of cult, uh, um, but also sometimes in uh, in abusive relationships, professional or personal. Um, the principles are, are, are really very much the same. And uh, these tools have been used for, for centuries. Uh, many people, uh, certainly the people who just want to control and, and, and negatively influence others, have more or less naturally picked up these things anyway. But the rest of us who don't really have that, who are aren't sociopaths uh, <laughs> we we, uh, we don't always know how to defend ourselves or even recognize these things when they're happening to us and so one of my goals one of my big objectives in life is to really help enlighten people to at least be able to hopefully recognize when tools of influence and persuasion are being used against you or being used on you uh, and to be able to notice whether that's for a beneficial outcome for you or for the person who is doing the persuading Oh, so tell us how, how do they, I, I like they used convicted of a belief. How, how, do, how does this get done? Many different ways. Uh, one of the most powerful 
books I came across recently, which I actually hadn't thought had anything to do with the influence and persuasion things that I've studied over the years, was a book called Combating Cult Mind Control by Steve Hassan, who himself was a cult member. He was in the Moonies, if you remember that organization, uh, which is still around un- under a different name. And uh, I think the, the leader is, uh, is no longer there, but the actual organization is still around. And um, he was a part of that cult for a while. And and when he did actually leave that, when he was uh, disabused of his beliefs and left that cult, his mission has become to help other people leave cults, not by doing the sort of, you know, the film method that we're familiar with of people being abducted out of cults and de- deprogrammed is like um no he and many others now say that that is actually psychologically harmful for people and they they recommend much softer approaches to to dealing with these things with people so they don't really encourage that sort of level of deprogramming but in order to help help to deprogram beliefs in a in a softer way in a way that isn't going to be quite so traumatic for people um is to really just start asking questions that questions really have a lot of power and they cause us to take that step back because we're very often when we're caught up in things we don't see the reality of a situation until we take a step back and that's very much the case here when you start to take a look at people's intentions and what's really going on or start to highlight some of the ways in which certain organizations or people operate that may be negative once you see it highlighted it's hard to not remember that and and not sort of think oh yeah that's that is really what's going on here once you see it, it's hard not to see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and who would have thought, you know, combating cult mind control would be a way you could learn, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, about this stuff. Yeah. Steve Hassan has this uh, model he calls the bite model, which is, um, is behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. And so it's not that, uh, not that every one or every cult has all of these things but the more of the elements you find from each of those parts of the bite model in an organization or a group or a person the more likely that it's a, a cult or a, uh, somebody who is looking to negatively influence you and have a, a cult can be just one person right um but these are very much the same sorts of tactics that do get used in in many different walks of life without us even realizing it so could you provide maybe an example and then how we could turn that into asking questions about it? Yeah, sure. So one of the, one of the ones I think that some people may may be familiar with, it would be one of thought control, which is a technique that's called thought stopping. It's very popular with uh, with cults, but uh, it's probably something we've all done at some time as well. When you really don't want to think about something or, uh, you know, um, you really want to keep a thought out of your head or you know, it's, it's the equivalent of sticking your fingers in, in your ears and closing your eyes going, la, 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 I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, so it's a way of shutting down your thoughts so that you don't have to think about the thing that you don't want to think about. And so it's like you're essentially looking to drown it out. And, you know, I, I have seen this technique used um, for what I would say would be beneficial purposes in, in personal development events. But I think that the the actual technique itself, it, for me personally, is 
is so dubious that I wouldn't even use it for, for beneficial techniques. I don't think we should ever really be looking at stopping ourselves from thinking and, and having uh, having thoughts about things. But that, that is a technique that people will use to try and um, push out, uh, especially uh, what we'd call cognitive dissonance, when some uh, a thought, a competing thought to what your belief is comes into your head and you can't hold the two beliefs in the same place. So that is cognitive dissonance and we'll either either we'll revert back to what we believe and believe it's stronger and double down on it, or we'll take on the new information and may come, may evolve our belief and come out with a new belief. Okay. So what would be an example of uh, someone trying to take advantage of us in everyday life that we could be aware of and we could overcome? Well, we could, we could encounter these things in any walk of life. So, I mean, I'm, I mentioned cults and that's probably an extreme, but most people think that they're probably never even going to encounter a cult. And yet actually, you know, most of us can walk down the street every day and, uh, and sometimes see them, you know, maybe not so much now, but, uh, um, and you know, here in, in Spain where I live, you, you will very often see uh, uh, like Scientologists or Jehovah's Witnesses out in the streets with their tables, and like um, <laughs> if, you, if you don't realise that they're cults, they are. They're, they're there to recruit people, but here they're not actually allowed to approach people. That you you can go up to them, but they can't come up to you. So uh, there, there are some restrictions, at least around that. But we're actually far more likely to encounter these things in in social settings, professional settings. Again, not cult mind control, but just tools of influence and persuasion that people may use to get their own way or to um, achieve an outcome that really a lot of it does come down to being able to take that step back and ask, what's going on here? What's their intention? What are they trying to achieve? When we can do that, there's more chance that we'll start to see what's the reality of what's going on here. And so when your boss is trying to persuade you to do something, um, sometimes just taking a step back and saying, is, is this going to be beneficial for me or is it actually going to cause me some problems or um, is it just that uh, they want to get their own way or are they exerting their power? Whether you end up challenging that or not, it at least puts you in a position to be able to see more of what's really going on. Okay. Well, now what would be that initial, maybe that's like a physical sensation or emotion that pops up that would lead us to think, wait a minute, I need to question this. Well, when somebody starts asking for money is a good time to question it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be a good one. <laughs> uh, so now I'll give you, give you one recent example that I've had is uh, being, a, being approached by a supposed business network and, uh, and it, it was actually from an advert that was on LinkedIn, surprisingly enough, and uh, uh, and I just clicked on it and I thought, oh, that looks interesting. But you know, I thought, I'm dubious about it. But I got contacted by them and told that I was accepted in their preliminary uh, investigation. But when I asked to see more about what who they are, what they do, and to actually see who I'd be connected with, all that, they couldn't give couldn't give me any answers. And and uh, and I just had that feeling that they were going to ask for payment over the phone. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. and, and lo and behold, they did. And it's like, well, that's never a good idea anyway. You know, unless you can completely verify who you're making a payment to and that you can completely trust it, it's really just not a good idea. And uh, so, so at that point, I was like, nah, I'm not comfortable with this. But even then, 
when when I realized that and t- started to take a step back, the woman became very aggressive. And like, I've just spent 30 minutes talking to you about this and now you're not going to proceed, that kind of thing. Oh, that's a sign. <laughs> that's a sign. But what do most of us do when we're when people confront us? We don't like it. We're, most of us are very uncomfortable with confrontation. And so that's actually a very effective tactic. So I've, I've said this to a few people before, but even if the even if the only thing you can really do in that situation, you don't want to deal with it or carry on the conversation, if what you do is hang up and don't answer any more calls from them, that's fine. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. Rather, rather than carry on that conversation, just put the phone down. Uh, because we often feel that we need to keep on talking as well or that it's rude to just hang up on somebody. In that situation, it's not. Just hang up on them. Yeah. So I can also sound like decide on your boundaries. Like I know when I get a connection request on LinkedIn, um, I can kind of already tell if they're going to immediately start trying to sell me stuff. Mm. <laughs> I don't, that just reminds me of that. So it's like, it's okay to not respond. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, so some of these, some of these practices are a, li- a little dubious, but as I say, they ultimately the tools of influence and persuasion as taught by people like Robert Cialdini, Robert Green. Um, they're not good or bad. They're just tools. Yeah. It is ultimately the intention of the person using them that's good or bad. But really, if you don't have awareness that they're even being used on you, you're potentially susceptible to them. Yeah. So so what else do we need to know about this dark side of influence and persuasion? Well, interestingly enough, they're there is a whole element of this that probably comes way before uh, a lot of what we now understand as the psychological responses of, of influence from uh, and persuasion from people like Cialdini, which would be the the ancient art of rhetoric in public speaking, that there are actually just ways of speaking and um, expressing things and, and framing things uh, that are very effective and have been used very powerfully, uh, um, very effectively by leaders for centuries since the time of Aristotle, who um, who codified it and and taught it and wrote about it. That that has been passed on ever since, with with really not very much change. Um, that these are tools that we we actually do need to know and to some degree to Im- to be able to employ ourselves to be able to be the most effective communicators we can be to be able to get our messages across more completely. So. It, Say it, it can also be used to um, to promote a negative message and to get people on board with things that you know, ultimately aren't for the greater good of everybody. Um, so you can see that pr- probably more in terms of, sort of global leadership and, and politics. I'm not going to name any specific names here, but um, <laughs> try and stay a bit apolitical on this. But you'll see it in just about every walk of, of, of global life in, in terms of leadership. That there are the people who know how to use these tools really well um, will often get um, very dedicated and, and loyal followers. And um, we're, it's up to you to really decide, discern whether that's a, a good or a bad thing. But uh, these tools are always, always there, always present in the people who are the most effective communicators. Yeah. You know, that when you talk, that reminds me, because you and I are both in the personal professional development field. Mm. And I've seen people talk in our field and people almost have like a, well, for lack of a better term, a cult-like following. You know, some of the the big speakers in our arena. And I've been to some of the events and I looked around, I'm like, I don't understand what these people are seeing. Yeah. 
Could yeah. you explain maybe that? What, what's going <laughs> on there? Well, yes. Uh, whether I can explain all of it, I, I may, maybe one, <laughs> Do your maybe best. one thing. But, uh, but I, I see it as being, uh, it is very much a tool of, uh, of psychological manipulation. And, uh, and I'll leave it again to the individual to decide whether that's for their benefit or not. Um, I personally don't like it. One thing we do know is that when emotion goes high, intelligence goes low. That sounds yeah. that sounds familiar somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but when our emotions are raised, when we're in a really strong emotional state, uh, we we don't think so much uh, with our logical brain. We're thinking with our a more monkey mind, our emotional mind. The instinctive yeah. part of it takes over, and so we're far more likely to be making decisions. In fact, our, our emotional mind is is the decision maker anyway. So, you know, if you want somebody to be making a decision to buy your uh, £10,000 course or program, you want if you can get them pumped up and super emotional, they're far more likely to make that decision based yeah. on that. But um, you also know that if you let them have time to cool off before they make that decision, they probably won't. Well, not, maybe not probably won't, but there's a good chance that they won't. People are more likely yeah. to make that decision in the moment. And we then also understand that they're far more likely to logically justify the decision afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so I could see, so maybe some of the things to look out for here are if you are, for lack of a better term, jacked up on emotions, whether they're negative or positive, do something to cool off yeah. and get in that rational part of your brain before you move further. That, that would be my advice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm very much the same, the same thing as you. The, those um, sort of personal development events, I've been to them. I've even been to some like religious events that have been like that as well. And, and yeah. very much the same thing. I, I observe it and think, you know, this is all whipping up people's emotions and, uh, and, and getting people to a state where they are really hyped up. But music plays a big part in that. You'll find a lot of emotional or really oh, powerful huge. music being used in that. And a lot of very emotive language as well. And the, understand this, that the energy that a presenter or, or several presenters may be in when they're talking to you is going to rub off on you too. Yeah. Emotions are contagious. They are. They absolutely yeah. are. Which is, which again, is a good thing to know as a speaker and to utilize. But if you are pumping up your crowd for really the the prime objective of getting them to give you money, <laughs> then, yeah. then we have to question, we have to at least question the motives of that and to be able to take a step back and say, well, you might still be making a good decision or it might still be what you want. Um, but not to just respond or act in the heat of the moment, which most of us do. Yeah. Make that decision from a logical place. Yes. Give yourself, yeah, so, give yourself some space, especially if you're broke. You know, if, you, if you're already broke, you know, somebody's, <laughs> yes. somebody's promising you the world. The, the reality is that pe people who are kind of broke or close to broke um, are, are far more likely to fall for things like this and, and to yeah. go along with it than people who aren't. Uh, because there's that, I would say, desperation factor really, but there's that really what you really want it. You really want to change your life and turn it around. And, and there are people making big promises and telling you you can do it and you really want to believe it. You're far more likely to go for it. Yeah. Well, because you're already kind of hyped up on emotion. Yeah. Right. They didn't have to do any much more hyping for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I can tell I, I've been to a few of those events and at first I was shocked 
And then I was actually angry. So if we are speaking to others, we need to use our power for good people. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly that. Whilst it's uh, whilst I think it's fine and acceptable to, to get people pumped up energetically, uh, it does come down to the reasons that the reasons that you're doing it. And if it really is yeah. to sort of shut down their logical decision making processes, that's a bit dubious to me. Yes. Yeah. Well, now you talked a little bit about what you do. Can you share uh, some of your services or, or how people can reach out to you? Yes. Well, one of the best ways to get hold of me is through my website, which is called presentinfluence.com or present influence, if you like, uh, both work. And uh, I'm also very active on LinkedIn. So people can come and connect with me there, John A. Ball at LinkedIn, and you'll find me there posting stuff pretty regularly. And uh, I do courses on um, presentation skills, primarily for business speakers. People want to get up and speak either in professional environments or looking to actually move more into the world of professional speaking in business and so at the moment i have some online courses and programs a page full of free resources on my website that people can check out and download for free uh, and and some paid courses and private coaching as well so you can see a whole a whole menu of options there awesome i will put that in the show notes as well perfect so your final piece of advice for our listeners today <laughs> well, I think based on based on the conversation we've been having, I would really just say it's okay to take a breath and take a step back in any situation and ask yourself what's really going on here? What is what is the other party's intention? And that you will always find that that's going to give you a, a little bit of clarity, a bit of a perspective. Sometimes we even need to ask ourselves that, right? We need to take a step back and say, what's my intention here? What's the outcome I'm going for? So stop and take a breath and give yourself a bit of space to think and let your, uh, let your conscious brain kick in. I love it. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, John. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about John, visit his website at presentinfluence.com. Christina delivers her speeches to diverse global industries on a variety of topics. You can learn more about booking her for your event at christinaeans.com.